This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is you Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing and whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. Now, if you have just joined us, welcome to the Equity Mates community. A massive congratulations on starting your investing journey. If you are still getting up to speed, we do have a second podcast, Get Started Investing, that you might find helps you get up to speed with all of the basics. Now, while we are licensed, we are not aware of your financial circumstances. So please keep in mind that all information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes only. Any advice is general. With that said, my name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited. We are recording this on a Thursday afternoon. And this time next week, we will be in the United States on our way to Warren Buffett's annual general meeting. Absolutely. We'll, um, we'll be in LA warming up. Yeah. Getting ready to fly across to Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> I, think, I think Alf uh, booked our LA accommodation and he's chosen a hostel in Hollywood. Hell so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> watch, uh, go over to our Instagram to follow our uh, journeys over there. But this is a real bucket list item for you and I and, mm. and something we cannot wait to go and do. And uh, we'll bring, be, be bringing it back to the Equity Mates community. Um, we're taking recording gear over there. Mm. So stay tuned to the podcast. And if you want to follow us day to day, uh, head over to Instagram at Equity Mates because we're going to be producing some content. Yeah, coming at you live. Well, very close to live uh, on our Monday episode uh, on the 8th of May. We're going to be doing a pretty uh, hot off the press first reaction from the Berkshire Hathaway AGM. Yes. Uh, they've got a fun run the following morning, which we will probably hopefully get some interesting content from as well. So yeah, yes, yeah, make sure yeah. you're tuned in and dialed in. Tell your mates if they want to get an insider's view into what goes on at Warren Buffett's uh, Berkshire Hathaway AGM alongside 40,000 other investors from around the world. Uh, over the next month, we're going to be having plenty of content both on socials and on our podcasts. Yeah, but Bryce, you started this episode uh, the way you start all episodes by saying uh, something about investing journeys. Mm. I don't know. I kind of tune out with the intro sometimes. Nah, fair enough. Uh, Me too. Um, but we have been doing a segment uh, that has been continuing our investing journeys and uh, we've each found a coach, mm-hmm. a mentor, a sensei, a guru, whatever you want to call it, uh, to help us on our investing journeys Mm. and I guess also hold us accountable a little bit um, to keep doing the work, keep becoming better investors, keep finding new ideas. You have been working with Henry Jennings of Marcus Today and I've been working with Andrew Page of Strawman. Earlier this week, I sat down with Andrew and uh, had a mentored session and uh, we've got some of the clips from that for today's episode. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Ren. I uh, haven't heard how it goes, but I know that the homework for you was to bring a few ideas to go through with Andrew. So keen to hear how that pans out. Yeah, so we get to that. There's two companies that we go through in this episode. Uh, Ordinate, uh, AD8 is mm-hmm. the ticker, and NetWealth, NWL is the ticker. In my last mentored session, Andrew and I had this conversation uh, about a company that was pretty popular in straw man, his uh, investing community. So he, he didn't tell me what the company was, but I went away and I wanted to try and figure out uh, what it was. And so I did some work on that and uh, I kicked off this session with Andrew, throwing out my guess as to what the company was. Andrew, thanks for joining me. Yeah, I'm psyched for it, man. I'm, in, I'm enjoying the journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, last time we spoke, um, we unpacked investing philosophies and uh, I had a bit of homework to go away and bring a couple of ASX-listed companies to discuss. We got a lot of feedback. Uh, people loved your, uh, your quick breakdown of Hit IQ just on the fly. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to talk about a couple of companies now that I've given you a heads up. and um, But before we get into them, um, part of our conversation actually got edited out, but you mentioned that there was a company that was doing the rounds on Strawman that had, uh, it was about a $10 million market cap and was profitable. And I said, don't tell me what the company is. Let me go away and see if I can figure it out. So I want to throw a guess out there. If it's wrong, don't tell me. I'll Try and figure it out again. Okay. Oh, the other piece of information you gave me was it was based in WA. So I went on Ticker and they have a stock screener. So I went ASX listed, less than 15 million US dollar market cap. Who knows how it would have moved uh, and greater than $0 operating income. There are 55 companies on the ASX that come back when you search for that. Can I just pause, can I just pause on that for a moment? Yeah. Surprising, right? Like that's that's a that's a pretty small it's a pretty tight filter in terms of size and profitability. But I guess I, I just underscore that as just like that's that's a lot of stuff to dig into. Maybe you'll dismiss some quickly, but this is this is always sort of my my uh, my thing that I want to impress upon people that there is wonderful opportunity at this end of the market, right? It's not all unprofitable cash burning scams. Yeah, <laughs> they're there, yeah. they're there, <laughs> but there are some real businesses there too. And you know what? No one else is looking at them. Yeah, I was surprised because yeah, you're right. My my perception is they're companies that are losing money because they're failing or they're losing money to grow. I was actually a little bit disappointed because I was hoping the filter would return like 10 companies and I'd be like, sweet. (laughs) And and yeah, I guess the other thing is if you're a $10 million company and you're profitable and you're not, you're not trying to like burn money to grow or anything, you're probably not listing. You're probably just a small business that's operating. Yeah. But yeah, so it was surprising. We were talking off air. I mean, there's a lot of downsides to listing. The only reason you would list two reasons. One is you want access to equity capital. So the market is a great mechanism for raising money when you need it without having to to borrow from a bank. But let's be real. The other main reason is exit liquidity for founders, (laughs) right? So, and, and, and then with that comes a whole bunch of extra costs, regulatory requirements. You've got to deal with 
bloody investors all the time. You've got to produce quarterly reports. You know, as soon as there's like any kind of a wobble, everyone punishes you. you just get, you just, it is, it is not always a good thing. Mm, any material thing that happens in your business, you have to tell everyone straight away. And the market's just like really myopically short term focused as well. So it's just like, I think anyone who's run a business knows the reality of that. Even great businesses, they just, you just, you know, the, nothing goes in a straight line. There's always challenges, but you, as a private business, you get to, you, you, you get to run it. Well, I was going to say for yourself, but for your small group of, of investors, I think you get to operate in a much um, longer time frame basis where the incentive structures drive you towards very narrow short term. What are we doing this quarter? What are we doing this quarter? What are we? And that's generally not a good thing um, for, for the long-term viability of a business. Most businesses that do really well are planning years and years out and they're the overnight success that, that, that is 10 years in the making mm. kind of thing. Mm. You're just never going to get there if you're just continually, you know, uh, bending to the whims of the market. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I scrolled down that list of 55 companies and I was, it was pretty quick to veto some. Like I have a general sense that you're not going to be uh, investing in like a specky mining company or a specky uh, like bio uh, pharmaceutical company or something like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but that was never my- say never, but no, you're not. Yeah, you're not yeah, yeah. That was my general perception. So uh, my guess this week, a company that met that filter based in WA, advanced braking technology, ASX ticker ABV. Give me a quick yes or no. No. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah. like you sent it, you know, I was like, I thought, wait a second, this is actually kind of an interesting company. Really? So, okay. Well, I mean, I, 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 I may have come across my radar at one point in time, but I, I sort of forgot about it. But I mean, you know, as you say, it's sort of profitable. It's growing. It's got no debt. It's got some cash on the balance sheet. Let me give the numbers. So this is okay. this is why I thought it could have been your company. So uh, calendar 2022, so last 12 months, $12.76 million in revenue, $1.3 million in profit and a $15 million market cap. So about a 12 PE uh, most and it's growing. So revenue has grown uh, f- from six point eight million to eleven million between uh, financial year nineteen and financial year twenty two. So uh, compound annual growth rate of seventeen percent for revenue. First turned a profit in twenty twenty and has been profitable ever ever since. It seems to have all of the major miners as customers, BHP, South32, Fortescue, Rio, Newcrest, Glencore. Oh, by the way, what it actually does is it makes sealed brakes for heavy vehicles. $2 million cash on the balance sheet and zero debt, as you said. And so I was like, that seems to tick a lot of the financial boxes for Andrew. My question was around what this could be, like how big a business could this advanced braking technology B, could it expand outside of mining or is it just a great small mining services business? That's an excellent question. I don't, I don't know the answer to it. I mean, there is, there is something to be said for knowing your niche and staying within it. Um, a lot of companies undo themselves. They have wonderful little core operations and in the pursuit of growth, they go into other areas where they don't possess the same kind of competitive advantages. Or if they do, they've got to spend a lot of money and time building that up and breaking that into the market, which just 
you know, um, dampens what, what the other part of the business is doing. And if it doesn't ultimately work out, you end up burning a bunch of shareholder capital. So you've got to be, you've absolutely got to ask that exact, exact question. The big picture is really nice. Like, as you say, it's profitable, it's growing, robust balance sheet, you know, so the, 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 the natural question here is, is, and this is what we'll get into in later episodes is like, okay, it's, this is something The the next question is, is sort of like, well, as you say, how, how big can it get? And it might not be any, it, like just as a, a theoretical um, exercise here, it might be that it never grows from here. But, you know, if it's on like some, if, if the multiple's low enough, that can still be a phenomenal investment. If you had a business that only made, you know, $10,000 each year and that's all it was ever going to do, there's still a, there's still a price you would pay for that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't have to grow, but yes, I think, I think that is, I think that is the absolute right question. So yeah, definitely one to look into. So you manage a great community of us, uh, investors of all types, but I think there's probably a uh, focus on some of the smaller companies in the market. If you look up uh, advanced braking technology, is there any chat on Strawman about uh, about it? I did have a quick look. Actually, no. So there was one note there from two years ago. No one's holding it in their sample portfolios, but three people are following it. Great. This is the thing, right? Like, I'm, I'm surprised at how long I've been in this game and particularly running Strawman, where we really focus on the small micro caps and there's a lot of smart people out there hunting for these things. It's just... It's just amazing how many things you can still miss. Yeah. And like as you, when you, when you first sort of suggested, uh, ABV, I was like, huh, yeah, why isn't this getting more attention? And maybe <laughs> by the way, I'm, I'm being very, I mean, there might be something that if anyone's, you know, gone beyond a high level look here that maybe there's a whole bunch of real things you need to worry about here. But, but at a, at a, at a top level. I can think of far worse starting points, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, maybe maybe throw it out to the straw man community and see what they think. But I will uh, continue on my quest to figure out what this company is. I guess I'll have to keep scrolling down that list of... I'll, I'll give you another clue to help you. Um, it It's uh, trailing 12 months revenue would be in excess of 100 million. Wait, what? And it's trading for less, it's trading for 10 million. Well, sales are one thing, profits are another. Um, so the Still, margins are pretty small yeah, okay. at this point. So more than a yeah. hundred mil, more than a hundred mil in revenue. All right. Well, that's going to massively lower, reduce the number of companies I have to scroll down. Be aware too. I'm not, I'm not familiar with ticker, but you will sometimes miss some of, of these things depending on the data provider and how they've sort of scored all of that kind of stuff. So sometimes these things, which is why I'm always such a big believer in going to the source material. A, it's free and I'm very tight. So that the pricing is right. <laughs> but you just go to the ASX website, get, go, go straight, get it straight from the horse's mouth. Right. And you'd be, uh, I know this very well because we've, we've used Morningstar. We're currently using standard and pause for our data provider. We pay a fortune for that bloody data. I can tell you. Uh, which is a whole other rant for for another day. But you'd be surprised at how many inconsistencies there are in the data. So it's really useful these tools, but just always always do a sanity check with the, with with the with the source material. Yeah, I'm not going to name and shame the platform, but there's one platform that I used that had that problem in spades, um, and I eventually had to leave them. When you say you go to the ASX website, though. Um, does the ASX have a stock screener or something like? No, I don't think so. I just, I just mean the announcements page. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is for my, for my investigative work. The ASX website isn't going to help me there. No. No. That, I mean, that's where, that's where scans can be helpful. It's just like it's, it's a good first step. 
Okay, Ren, so now you've got more pieces in the puzzle, 100 mil rev. Yeah, 100 mil rev and a $10 million market cap. Okay, and you're going to go away and find out what this company is. Yeah, now you're the retail whisperer and all it made me think was uh, if some if a company is making more than $100 million in sales and is profitable but has a market cap of less than $10 million. But it's based in WA. There are retailers in WA. It's got to be resources. Australia's best retailer comes out of WA. Wes Farmers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Wes Farmers. It's not Wes Farmers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but mining would have better margins than that, wouldn't it? What's the margin? What was the margin? Well, it's over $100 million in rev. Yeah. And its profit will be less than $10 million. Oh, okay. Because if its market cap's only 10 mil. Okay. Okay, hundred million in rev, ten mil mark, ten mil profit. No, ten mil market. Ten cap. mil market cap. Or maybe it's just seriously un, un, um, undervalued. undervalued. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the whole point of Andrew? Like he finds this stuff. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe. Anyway, so that's my homework. So I've got to go away and figure that out. But then we got to uh, the rest of this mentored session. I had done some work, um, started researching some companies, and uh, wanted to present. You know, we're. Uh, Andrew and I, and I think you and Henry as well, are really chasing sort of long-term compounders. That's no, no, no. we're chasing six-week. Um, oh, you're, ten you're baggers. Are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Well, uh, Andrew, uh, what what I the reason that I wanted Andrew to be my mentor and what I want to get better at and be more disciplined at is that deep stock research mm. and trying to find high those few high quality companies in so I've done some research and I brought two companies to Andrew that. I thought could be good ideas. And so this is me presenting the two to him. So let's turn to, so I've brought two companies today that I want to chat about. Uh, The first one is Ordinate, uh, ASX ticker AD8. And then the second one is NetWealth, ASX NWL. Um, Both of them are smaller companies, um, not tiny and both of them seem to have compelling stories and so um, you know in in our pursuit of trying to find smaller companies that have potential to compound for years into the future they both seem like ones that are worth talking about I assume you're familiar with both of these companies I, I am I'm more familiar with ordinate but yeah I mean really interesting choices man I'm, I'm happy to dig into them. Ren, we've just got to jump in and quickly pause here. I wouldn't say that interesting is the tick of approval <laughs> that you're looking for from Andrew. Yeah, I was hoping for a bit more like two great choices. Investing's to- hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, two interesting choices. But we get into Meaning it. he's probably already looked at them, you would imagine. Well, you'd think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. hopefully he means interesting in a good way. Like yes. these are stimulating choices. <laughs> Uh, so we start with Ordinate. All right. Well, let's start with Ordinate because uh, you're more familiar with it. So they develop and sell audiovisual networking solutions to leading equipment manufacturers. That's the the jargony way of saying they create software and hardware that a whole bunch of different um, audio manufacturers the you know the Boses and the Sonys and the Yamahas of this world then put into their technology like put into their equipment is that fair it is but the the point i would emphasize here and this is what's always interesting if ever you see a 
what you might term a structural disruption within the industry. In other words, a new way of doing things comes along that that threatens to completely upend and displace the existing incumbents. Huge amounts of value was created that way. I mean, you only need to sort of look at the Amazons of this world and what the internet has done to places like, you know, retail and media and, and everything. It's you, you have these, these industries that operate for decades. Eventually, you know, a few rise to the top and just dominate it. And they're very hard to displace. But when a new way of doing something comes along, often, these companies dismiss them. I mean, Kodak, I think we may have mentioned before, great classic example. They invented the digital camera, you know, but it threatened, it threatened their business. And, you know, it's like they, they, in, in retrospect, the smart thing to do was to kill their own business because it was someone was going to do it. You might as well kill it yourself and then own the new normal. The reason I mentioned this is that ordinate, they're not, they're doing it in a completely different way. So anyone who's ever worked in the, in the industry would know that there's a lot of cables. <laughs> there's a lot of analog kind of stuff and it can be an absolute nightmare setting up any kind of recording kind of system. So this is digital. And it feels funny to say that in the year 2023. It's like, what? It wasn't digital. It was like, <laughs> no, it was, it was, it was analog kind of technology. So they, they invented, um, this, this platform called Dante. And by the way, there's lots of companies that sort of promise to do this. Where Ordinate is really fascinating is that they've done it. Like they won, right? It's kind of an end. There's still a long way to run. So that's really interesting. The other thing that's really interesting is, and this is probably my two favorite words in investing is network effects. Um, because these guys tech is being integrated into some of the major producers and because people want tech to talk to different parts of tech if if dante has become the standard within the industry any kind of related product needs to be interoperable with all of that so it becomes it really doesn't become a choice like smartphones right what are you going to use android or apple what's your third choice there is no third choice right if you want digital audio networking what do you use there's ordinate and there's like two or three others. And all I would ask you to do, I know you've done this, but for those those playing along at home, open up one of their recent Prezos and they'll show you exactly. Like there's them and then there's daylight. As each day goes past, they're increasingly difficult to displace and it looks like they've kind of won this race. Mm. Well, yeah, that, that was probably the thing that was quite compelling because you look at the financials and, you know, their share price is up almost 50% in the past year, uh, more than 20% uh, compound annual growth rate over the past five years great. Revenues tripled since 2017. Great. But your point around the adoption of their technology was the thing that was quite compelling. And this feels like a winner takes all market. As you said, like there will be a standard protocol that audio engineers are trained on and that, you know, different pieces of technology need to talk to each other. Um, and there was a chart in one of their prezos and it tracks the uh, they, they call it audio products per protocol and it's basically how many audio products are using their Dante uh, software and hardware and then some of their competitors. Uh, if I can read this text, Ravina, AVB, Milan and then others. And the chart for them is just up and to the right. It's now 3,688 products are using their protocol. Next biggest is 300 and then 130 after that. So it's just game over. Yeah. The story's there in that chart. They won. Yeah. They've won. 
I mean, they could completely stuff it up. There's always something you come out of left field that displaces everything, but it looks like they're an incredibly strong position in audio. Mm. I guess the question then becomes, and this is a question I have for both companies that I want to talk about today, because they're very different in terms of financials. Um, Ordinate, not profitable. Net wealth, very profitable. How would you then go about saying, okay, Ordinate look like they're uh, winning this race uh, for you know, uh, audio protocol supremacy. Management think that it, there's a billion dollar market opportunity there, but management are always going to give you the rosy picture. Sure. They're currently not profitable. How do you go about starting to think about, well, what's the right price to pay for a company like this? Yeah, it's great exa- a great question. And this is a great example. Um, there are really good reasons as to why you wouldn't be profitable. In fact, why you might not even want to be profitable. Because it's not so much, I mean, think about anyone who's done a business, right? I mean, the first, until you sort of get everything set up, I mean, you, you, by definition, not profitable, but that work isn't wasted. You've made an investment and that return might not come in any given financial year, but it's the, the whole, the whole thing that you're trying to do is ask as an investor, what's this economic machine taking in and what's it going to spit out? Now, the industry and analysts and that will always focus on this year, next year kind of thing. But you've got to look out over the life of the company. I mean, would you buy a company off me if I was bleeding a million dollars a year for five years, but then in year six, I made 10 million and then year seven, I made 20 million and then year three, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's probably, <laughs> it's probably really good. And it just, and, and, and if I spent that money, if I was quote unquote losing that money, because what I was really doing was investing in a foundation that would support incredible growth down the track, that is not that is not a loss at all or wasted money at all. And so I think the the bull case with Ordinate is that, well, when you're disrupting uh industry in what is seemingly a winner-take-all market, if you if the guys at Ordinate were focused only on profitability and they weren't getting out there as to as many people as they could, they might be profitable. But they might just be overtaken by the by the team that's got the capital to continue to invest and, and ultimately win. Remember, their customers don't give a stuff, right? I guess they want to know that you're going to be around, but they're not they're not looking at it from this point of view. So you've got to put you've got to solve the most problems and create the most value for your customers. And if you can do that, and it's a very difficult pivot to make, but if you can do that, then pivot to profitability once you've won the market. That's what Amazon did. It's what Uber did. It's what like, you know, it's just, it's the story of when, when, when there's so much, it's the land grab is, is the term that's used. And so by the way, you've got to be careful because that is a reasonable narrative. It's actually a good cover for a lot of companies that are pretty crappy. Mm, yeah. right? So it's like, oh, we're losing money, but it's only because we're doing this. Yeah. It's like, yes, but you've just got to have confidence that that, that pivot will come with Ordinate. If you dig into it a little bit more, you realize that 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 unprofitability is a a big part of it was the the capture of that land grab, but also that they're spending gazillions on trying to disrupt the same kind of uh, thing in video. So they've 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 kind of won the audio side of things, and then now they're trying to do video, which is a market size. It's about equivalent as the as the audio market size, and it it too needs to sort of be brought into the to the modern era and that's why so the question with ordinate is not whether it's making money or not it's whether this investment big investment into video will pay off if it does i suspect the current share price will look cheap they've got 
$35 million odd dollars and no debt there. So they've got a bit of a runway so they can afford to sort of lose money for a little bit with, without having to be um, uh, urgently dependent on capital raises or extra debt or anything like that. So that's, that's the question here. Uh, are you someone who cracks out Excel or Google Sheets these days and models or forecasts out what you think will happen and then does a discounted cash flow? Is that your valuation? Uh, I, I've actually moved away from that. I think they're really helpful in understanding the mechanics, the machinery of a business. So what you really want to see is businesses that have operating leverage. So that is their fixed costs can support a much higher level of, of top line sales than they currently do. So as those sales come in, the margin gets wider and wider and wider. So earning a uh, revenue might be growing at 10%, but earnings grow at 20%. And it's earnings that really matter, uh, at, at the end of the day. So that's what I would be looking at here is in terms of modeling it out. So, okay, what are their main costs? This is their current revenue. Here are their main costs. What are their gross margins look like? What are their current net margins look like? Okay, great. Let's roll that forward. And let's, you can't grow without increasing costs, cost money to make money. But it's interesting to sort of see how that can evolve, not how it will evolve necessarily, but how it can evolve. I think though that that is, there's nothing wrong with that, except that, as I mentioned before, you do fall into the trap of, of false specificity, where it's just sort of like you've got so many assumptions and so much detail in there that it just sort of like little inconsistencies, little errors multiply up to be huge. So I, I think if you're going to do that, you can always apply some really easy sanity checks. So if you've done a model and it turns out that your net margin is 60% at the end of it, it's like, well, it's not impossible. But very few companies manage to, to make after tax, after costs, after everything, 60% of, of every dollar that they, they sell. So I tend to go these days with, I mean, you can go into as much detail as you like, but I think there's a lot of value in keeping it simple. So I would sort of say, here's their revenue. How do I think that can grow? What's the kind of net margins a business like this might be able to operate on? And then the calculus is much easier. So I said like, well, here's the sales. I don't know, 10% net margin. And we can talk about how you might come, come to a figure, you know, so divide it by 10, there's your profit. Uh, what multiple do you think the market would pay for a company that's grown like it has and has existing opportunities in front of it? You know, maybe that's a PE of 20, you know, if the, if the growth outlook remains strong. So I've got the earnings, I've got the multiple. If you rearrange the PE, ratio, you sort of, you know that you can multiply those two numbers together to get a target price. <laughs> yeah, it's super easy. It's super. And then I can just discount it back. So if I think, if I think earnings are going to be a dollar in 10 years time, and I think the market's going to pay a PE of 20, well, therefore the share price is going to be 20 bucks in, in 10 years time under, under my assumptions. And then it's like, well, if I want a 10% return, I just divide 20 by 1.1 10 times uh, for each year. And so uh, I'm trying to do this on the fly here, but something <laughs> like what? It means if I pay $9 now and I get $20, then I'll, I'll get a really good return overall, right? Uh, and, and I've just done something really rough and ready there. It's only going to be as good as the assumptions I used, but it's, it's, it, it now gives me something to, to focus on without getting hyper, hyper specific, i.e. sales, margins, and multiples. They're still still susceptible to bad guesses and maybe the reality of it doesn't unfold as it is. But that is, I think for people who are starting out, is a much easier proposition than working out, well, what's the um, full-time equivalent uh, cost of this business? What's the R&D budget of this business? What's the marketing cost of this business? And you're just trying to work out 500 different line items and then add yeah. it all up. 
by the way, do that, but just, just you know, it's sometimes easier is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you, your numbers there, twenty uh, $1 earnings, 20 multiple, discount it back, uh, $9 share price. Is it just a coincidence that that nine is very close to Ordinate's current $8.60 share no, price? No, yeah, yes, it totally is. <laughs> okay. I didn't realize that when I did that, yeah. All right, all right, but, good to know. But I mean, I mean, the other thing, the other way you can approach it is not trying to come, well, I think it's always worth trying to have a stab at, at value, but you can you can flip it around and say, well, what does the market think? So if I look at Ordinate now, I don't own shares in it, by the way. Um, it ranks very well on Strawman. It's ranked number six. A lot of people really like it. So I've only got positive things to say about it. The, the only negative I have at it is that currently it's on about 10 times sales. That's up there. Again, not necessarily bad because they are growing very, very, very fast. Um, I never put too much weight in analyst forecasts, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting to see what they say. And when I look at, at Ordinate, uh, the 2025 consensus estimate, and this is covered by quite a few people, it's about 10 cents per share. So they're on 85 times FY25's earnings. Mm. So an 80, 80, 80 PE is high. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, unless, unless you're going really fast as they are. So it's not, not necessarily, but I'm not talking an 80. Well, there's the PE right now is infinity because there is no earnings. But even if they manage to flip into profitability in the, in the coming next couple of years and earnings grow very rapidly, you've still got a pretty elevated PE. That, that, that's not, bad, but it, it tells you that a lot of the things we're talking about favorably with Ordinate is not a secret. Like the market gets it, yeah, right? Yeah. So now you've got a more difficult proposition. It's not like, will this company succeed? I, I tend to be a believer in, I mean, can't guarantee anything, but it's kind of like, it needs to do better than the market is already expecting. That's the key thing. All right, equity mates, we're going to pause there. That's the conversation on Ordinate. After this quick break, we're going to talk about NetWealth, a company that has tripled its revenue in the past three years and has improved its profit margin from about 20% to over 30%. Will Andrew give me the tick of approval? <laughs> no. <laughs> 
ASX ticker NWL. As I said before the break, it's a company that's tripled its revenue in the past five years and has improved its net profit margin in that time. Will Andrew give me the tick of approval? Bryce is shaking his head. <laughs> let's find out. Well, let's shift to net wealth, uh, which is a company that is certainly profitable. Uh, so for people who are unfamiliar, for people who don't have a financial advisor like myself, um, the they net wealth are one of the three sort of, I guess, disruptors in the uh financial advice administration business, uh, net wealth, hub 24 and premium, uh, offer advisors, a technology platform to manage their clients' money and clients an opportunity to log in and see how their accounts are going and see where their money is. Net wealth has 3,200 advisors, financial advisors signed up to their platform. And those advisors manage 123,000 accounts on the platform and NetWealth has $65 billion in funds under administration. Pretty big hmm. business. Uh, yes, although they <laughs> administer those. That's not their money. No, no. They make a not. cut on that money, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, why. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. take a cut, the advisor takes a cut, the ma- fund manager takes a cut. No wonder advice is so expensive. <laughs> uh-huh. There's a whole podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but if Ordinate is not profitable, NetWealth is the opposite. They did $170 million in revenue last financial year. The five-year compound annual growth rate is over 20%, almost 23%. So a pretty incredible top-line growth story. Off that $170 million in revenue, they did about $55 million in profit. And that profit, five-year compound annual growth rate, is almost 33%. There's the operating leverage I was talking about. Yeah, so profit, profit growing, growing faster, faster than, than sales. Yeah. Which makes sense for a platform business, right? Because if they sign up someone tomorrow, it's like, well, here's your login, mm. right? Yeah. Like there's, there's not, there's not a lot of onboarding cost. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Now, speaking of op- operating leverage, and this is why I really wanted to talk about this business, pretty incredible margins, 32% net profit margins. It's huge. But the margins have actually got better over the last six years. So- and then back down to 32% in the last financial year, uh, which is what I I assume is a big green tick. It shows you that not only is the business growing its sales, but it is becoming more efficient at converting those sales into profit. 32% net margins are very rare. Yeah. Very rare. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. finally, $88 million cash on the balance sheet, no debt. And um, something that we hear from a lot of expert investors, uh, you know, you want founder-owned businesses um, and you want uh, alignment between minority shareholders and management. How's this for alignment? The founder and his family own 53% of the business. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's what you might call a sidecar investment in that regard, in the sense that whatever the founder and family want to do, they will do. They've mm. got the voting rights. So there's nothing you can do. So you, you, you kind of along for the ride. Yeah. A lot of people probably look at that and go, "Well, isn't that the case? Because I've got 001 percent of the company. I'm pretty much that." But it just it just means that while it's great for alignment and all the rest of it, you are 
and you know they're trying. It just means that they, they get to call all the shots without without recourse. Yeah, yeah. Not a negative, by the way. I mean, they built the business, they've grown it. So, I mean, you know, again, credit where it's due. It's it's not. I'm not trying to put it as a, as a, as a negative a, a, at all, but. You know they they will they will do what they want to do. Now the reason that I wanted to talk about valuation is because it feels like there's a lot of green ticks in that story. Here's where the challenge, I guess, is for an investor. They're currently trading at a 55 price to earnings ratio, so the market is certainly aware of them, and um, they're not cheap. Yeah, it, it, I think it's also worth understanding the. Uh, what's the word for it? The quality of those revenues as well. And this isn't a negative. I mean, well, there's just, you've got to deal with things as they are, not as you would have them to be. And the reality of it is, is that their customers, financial planners uh, and, and financial types, we actually operate in a pretty cyclical industry. So when markets are in a bit of a funk, the fund flows don't do that well. The financial planning outfits don't want to onboard to a new platform. So I, I think, uh, and again, I'm not trying to throw shade on this at all, but I think it's something to, to bear in mind that if, if we were ever to get into a, a negative environment for investing, and, you know, it's not a question of if, but when, because that's just what markets and in, in, in the investing world does. We sort of move in cycles. These, these tens of kinds of businesses can, can move around a little bit. The, the counterpoint to that would probably be with net wealth is I think they own like six or 7% of the market share. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of room to sort of grow mm. within that. It's not as though they are a mature business. So maybe the industry overall does it tough but they continue to steal a larger and larger part of the pie. And so that, that can still work out pretty well. But I just, I just make a mention of it though, as well, because it is, I have seen it in this space before you see it when we seen it with Magellan recently, right? With fund flows and how, how quickly things can turn around when you're forced to sell a bunch of stuff because to meet redemptions and the rest of it, it's, it's kind of madness because you kind of think in a lot of ways, if people were saying that these would be the times that money would be flowing into the market because things are cheaper, but it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Bear, I just, I just say bear in mind that, that cyclicality and, and what you, what you might have here is the, the, the challenges for these businesses that are on ostensibly high multiples is that when, there is a bit of a turn. Let's say there is a bit of a turn and they hold up rather well. So FY22's earnings, I'm just looking here on Comsec per share was, there wasn't a lot of growth from the year before, even though sales went up quite a bit. So there's probably a big investment in tech or- Yeah, or, their margin also got squeezed. It went from 37% to 32%. Ah, that's right. You yeah. said yes. I mean, I'll give you and I ran this business. It's not a disaster giving the landscape and what's, what's sort of happened. But what happens is the market being very flighty and fickle goes, Oh, it's a disaster. And it's like, we go from a P of 55 to 40. Now 40 is still a high yeah, PE, yeah. but you do the maths on that. It's just sort of like it can squeeze you down a bit. So it's sort of just, I mean, it, it's something to be aware. There's what the business is doing. And then again, what the market is expecting that business to do. So I sort of look at a business like this and go, yeah, incredible history. That's really great. The market is definitely pricing in some growth. Will they grow more than that? And for what it's worth, the forecasts look pretty decent. 2025 estimate of 43 cents per share. 
So you can do it. And here's a nice easy hack, right? So I can always just go, I don't know. You know, well, I want you, you, every business as it's the more successful it gets, the more dominant it becomes, the less the growth opportunity becomes, right? Mm-hmm. Because you kind of, you, you're winning the market. So the multiples tend to come down because as they, as they fulfill on their promise, the opportunity set gets smaller in a, in a lot of cases. So you can kind of go thumb suck right here. So let's say I can do it backwards. So the current share price is 1326. Let's say I want a 10% return over five years. So one, two, three, four, five. That means I need, if I buy it today, uh, I want a share price about 2135 in five years time. I'll give me a 10% return if I do that. And let's say that shares are on a P of 30. And you make, you can do a variety of scenarios here, but this is just a thumb suck to sort of see uh, uh, what if. That means that in five years time, per share earnings need to be about 70 cents per share. Now you can question those inputs and you can change them. And I encourage people to do that and play around with it. But you're looking at a business that uh, at the moment is on 23 cents per share. So what you're really saying here, it's near enough a triple in, in profit in five years. Now, the great opportunity often happens because the growth is even more extreme than people expect and, and longer lasting than people uh, tend to expect. So again, I'm not throwing shade here just to, to sort of to be, to be nasty. I, I, I think you can go through this really basic math to sort of say, well, what needs to happen? And I can tell you right now what needs to happen. One of two things for me to get my 10% return. I either need earnings to grow at that quantum that I have expected, or I need the multiple to expand even further. Mm. That's the maths, right? Yeah. PE equals pri- or, or price equals the PE times the earnings. So one of those two things have to be at a certain level where when you multiply it together, I get, what did I say? 21 bucks a share. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know whatever the market's going to value it at, but at least you can kind of say, well, I think this is not an unreasonable rate of growth. And then as I did, I just worked out that, well, this is the kind of PE that I'm, that I'm looking at. Mm. So the question is, do I think the, the market can support a PE for this kind of company that's demonstrated this kind of growth to get me to where I need it to be to get a return? Now you might do a bunch of different assumptions and scenarios and come up with, with a, with a different price. But that's great. You've now worked out a target price. Yeah, so it might yeah. be that it's sort of like, well, not now, but I tell you what, if it ever got to, I don't know, 11.30, now I'm interested, yeah. right? Um, I like that. Yeah. I like the, the thumb suck valuation methodology. Uh, let me take that as a bit of homework and uh, let me, maybe I'll do it for these companies. Maybe if I find anything else that I think is interesting, um, but I think that's some, that's a good thing to go away with and work on. Yeah. I hope it helps, man. I, I, there is, there is such an allure with sophistication and spreadsheets and I don't want to dismiss them. They, 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 they certainly, but, 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 you know, you, you can, Buffett's are famous for never using spreadsheets and this kind of stuff. I mean, he, he uses these heuristics as, as far as we can tell, <laughs> yeah. right? And he's not doing a DCF in his head, but he's just doing these big, broad assumptions. And it's just like, you, you can, you can start broad, then narrow down. When you, if your first port of call is to crack open a spreadsheet and started trying to predict what the R and D budget is going to be four years out and what, the, you know, it's just, it's sort of, it's not that it's not a noble uh, uh, goal. It's just that it's, it's diabolically hard, right? So keep it simple. Love it. Thank you for your time and um, can't wait to do it again. Man, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm really enjoying these chats. All right, Bryce. Well, that's the conversation that I had with Andrew. Uh, I learn a lot. Mm. Uh, the valuation stuff for me is really interesting and something that I'm going to go away and work on. I'm loving this series. What, what we set out to achieve is sort of coming to fruition with act- us actually 
having more time and spending more time looking at individual stocks. I don't know about having more time, but trying to put away more time to, yeah. to be better at uh, individual stock picking. Well, it's just something that your time can often be filled with other things. Got to make a meme for Instagram, mm, got a full mm. inbox. But having knowing that this mentored session, this mm. coaching session is in the calendar, it means you make the time to do it. Yeah. And it's something that I, I find really fascinating, but I often just don't make the time mm, to do. Mm. So I'm loving it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try and beat you to the punch and find this company as well. Okay. See if so, I do. Well, I mean, let's, I mean, people are listening. Let's see if they know it as well. Hit us up on Instagram or at contact at equitymates via email or at equitymates.com slash contact if you know the company or you can figure it out. As a reminder, the things that we know, it did more than $100 million in revenue in the past 12 months. Its market cap is about $10 million. It's based in WA and I think there was one. Oh, it's profitable. Profitable. Yeah. Four things we know. Oh, it sounds like an app. Yeah. I'll put my filters on. Yeah. Oh, that's what I did. I just went to Ticker yeah. and um, if people want to go on Ticker and try and beat us to the punch, ticker.com slash equity mates is the link. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to have a bit of a break between uh, sessions. I'm going to pick my next session up with Henry towards the end of May when I land land back in Australia. Yeah, you're just going to try and get good stock tips from the Berkshire Conference. I don't need good stock tips, Ren. I'm full of them. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to my next convo. You're full of something. (laughs) With with Henry. But uh, as we said at the top, over the next few weeks, we're going to be coming at you with content from America, Omaha, New York. And we're also doing a Wealth Builders series where we look at some of Warren Buffett's best long-term investments and some of the key lessons that we have learned from him over the past few few years of investing ourselves. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure listening to you there, Ren. Uh, a call out and a shout out. If you're listening, can you please share this episode with one of your friends who would love to join the journey of investing and join the Equity Mates community? It will go a long way to helping us uh, continue to grow the Equity Mates audience. But Ren, um, super pumped for the US. Make sure if you're listening at home, you're following along on our channels. Cannot wait. We'll pick it up next week. Can't wait. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697.